Welcome to the British History Podcast. My name is Philippa Lacey Brule and I want to extend a warm welcome to you. If you are new here, hi, thank you for joining. And if you are returning, thank you so much for your support. In this podcast, we explore all sorts of things that have gone on in British history. We look at people, we look at events, we look at outcomes and perhaps look at them from a different perspective than usual. If you would like to support me in this free podcast, this podcast will always remain free, but if you would like to support me, then you can head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash British history. And you can choose the tier there that would suit you best, starting from any £3 a month just for your kind support. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome to Thursday Tea Time History Chat Live. I hope you've got your cups of tea or something stronger or maybe something weaker, depends on what kind of day you're having uh, and what kind of health stint you're probably on. Welcome. <laughs> um, so yes, we're back to Thursday Tea Time History Chat Live with me, Philippa Lacey Brule. Um, and each week, thank you for joining me, um, everyone who comes back week after week as we meander through some history chat. Maybe some anniversaries that are happening this week, some history events, um, things I'm involved in or have been involved in that I can tell you about, all sorts. And each week I think, what am I going to... Lisa's got the kettle on. Good girl, Lisa. Um, each week I, um, I think, well, what am I going to talk about this week? And then I make a list and then it's quite extensive. Thank you anyone who joined me last week for the birthday episode, which was gigantic and epic. I think, I think, I think it was one hour 40 in the end. Ha! So thank you anyone who joined me live for that, especially. Maybe you caught it on the catch up on Instagram or on YouTube um, and maybe even on the podcast because it, or every episode of this goes live on the podcast as well within, um, well, within a couple of hours. Good morning, Marianne, over there in California. How are you? How are you doing? Um, so, yeah, so today I've got quite a bit of co to cover. Um, I'm going to tell you about the interview I did with Gareth Russell. Um, I spoke to him Tuesday night. That was very cool. So I'll tell you about that. We had um, the History After Dark uh, room last night talking about the best British monarch. So we'll... we'll We'll look at that and um, some of the uh, other live events that I've got um, and another uh, history anniversaries this week as well we'll go through a few of them hello Anandita over there in India welcome um, so before I get started just wanted to thank you all for joining me hi Janice how are you and a special thank you obviously always to my YouTube members, my patrons um, and anyone who has bought me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa because um, I'm just really grateful. Thank you so much. It does help. Um, Bobby Ann uh, missed History After Dark yesterday. Um, oh, you were driving so it kept cutting out. That's annoying. My signal kept cutting out and I was sat here. <laughs> at least you had a good reason. Um, you can catch any of the Instagram lives that we do, you can catch again. Um, and I will tell you a bit more in a moment or in a little while as well about the History After Dark podcast, which um, goes live next Wednesday. So I'll tell you a bit more about that as well. 
Each week I'm streaming here Thursday one o'clock in the afternoon on Instagram and on YouTube, both of which end up on the playback. Good morning, Jenna, hope you're well. Um, they, they end up on the playback as well, so you can see them. And like I say, you can catch them on the podcast as well. So welcome everyone. If you're on Instagram, remember my hearts, say hi. Um, morning to everyone who's, who's left a comment on YouTube, if you wouldn't mind giving it the thumbs up. Um, and also I love to just get a hello from you as uh, Lisa, Marion, Anandita and Janice. Janice, as always. Janice I, I pronounce your name different every time. How is that? Um, you, I bet you didn't even know there were so many ways of saying your name. Uh, yeah, but that, as, as you all have said that, hi, thank you very much. Um, Feel free as we go along to comment on what we're talking about. Maybe you've got a question I will endeavour to answer. Um, on Instagram, I can pretty much see uh, most of the comments as they come up. Last night, I had a bit of an issue on History After Dark where they just froze and I daren't touch the screen because then things like I disappear happens and things like that. So, um, so if you've asked me something and I seem to have completely forgotten to answer it, it's fine. Put it back in the comments if you don't mind. Um, so fabulous. Before I go on, also I do like to give a special thank you to people because thank you so much for supporting me here. But also, you know, if if you are uh, a YouTube member or you buy me a coffee or you're a Patreon member, that literally helps me stay here and continue to do this live streaming for free. And I have some special mentions. Colleen bought me three coffees last week. Mwah, 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 mwah. Thank you so much. Um, and you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa, one L, two P's. Because there's lots of different ways, it turns out, of spelling Philippa. I've obviously got the best way. Does anyone else, does anyone else think that? Now, my YouTube members, I've not made special mention of you before, so I'm going to do that now. And Indita, you're, uh, um, you're a member of the behind the scenes tier and Colonada House is as well. Laurie is, has the fun badges and emojis and Leanne, Leanne is a British traveller. Um, oh, it's Ipsa says, yay for the podcast. Yes, for the History After Dark podcast. Yes. Now, I will mention that, um, hi, Colleen, welcome. Um, I've just said about your, your buying me coffees. Um, when, um, when, the, when any podcast goes live, we're doing it via Anchor, um, it can take a little while for the bigger platforms to have them on only like a couple of weeks or so but I think they need to see that it's a bona fide podcast that you put out more than one episode etc etc so when the history after dark podcast goes live look out on all of my social media but especially on instagram on history.after.dark because I'll share the direct link oh can I do that on history.after.dark don't know might be something just for the bigger channels I'm not sure um but I will certainly uh share the link direct to the podcast now we've we've um <laughs> it was a few weeks ago recorded a special edition for the podcast so this is not one that you will find on instagram although it is a topic we've covered on instagram before and um let's check and i've got my microphone on <laughs> otherwise i'm sure someone would have told me by now um it um it's about the history of swearing and throwing insults. So a perfect first topic, I think, to have uh, to have picked. Oh, a first sip of tea, very nice. Um, also, Lynn has become a new patron. 
she's done a year's worth of upper class um membership and she gets 10 percent off if you do that you get you get a bit of a discount so welcome to lynn on the patreon as well and i'll i'll let you know because some some things that we're doing on patreon you'll get a, you'll get a sight of anyway and i talk about them a lot on here anyway so it's quite interesting what we get up to but like i said last week was the epic one hour 40 session i don't know if i will get there today probably not i've got things to do you know <laughs> <laughs> well sort of no I have um but mind you I, I this is probably the highlight of my week well this history after dark the, getting to chat to everybody um about history not really doesn't really get any better than that for me um good morning Orlando Rio Rio have to give him the morning song um the only thing that could make it slightly better is if I'm on location, although it does make it shorter. Now that will be happening next week. So next week's Thursday Tea Time Live, I will be on location. Um, so look out for that. I will only be on Instagram because when I'm out and about, I can only uh, stream live to one um, platform. So I'll be on Instagram for those of you who catch me on YouTube, but I will upload it to YouTube after the fact. Um, because I'll probably give you a little walk around or something. I'm not sure. We'll see what we'll see what happens. Um, so you can check that out next week, and I will be as as close to one o'clock as I possibly can, unless something happens like a massive rainstorm or something. Because I will be outside. But so cross your fingers for nice weather next week for me when I'm on location. Um, so in today's episode, what we're going to talk about? We've got some history anniversaries. I've got. I want to to just tell you about my interview I did with Gareth Russell um, that ties in with things other things that are happening and with a book recommendation um, the life events I've said we've got the just for fun question so I will let you know <coughs> excuse me I will let you know the uh, answer to last week's um, just for fun question I'll remind you of what it was first and then I'll set you another one um, I've got news about availability on a tour, so um, that's quite exciting for anyone who has missed out. Um, and yeah, and if you ever want a summary, by the way, of everything that I'm talking about in these, uh, well, say everything, all the events especially that I'm talking about in these sessions, then um, then if you sign up to my newsletter at BritishHistoryTours.com, then you get an email from me every Sunday. Right, let's get on to some history. Mm. After I take a sip. Right. Oh, I shouldn't touch the screen. See, don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. So we have some um... <laughs> Orlando, love and salute to you and see you singing and dancing in a Rio like vibe. <laughs> yeah. That's from the cartoon Rio. Did anyone ever see that? Kids, um, the kids cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I'm going to try and touch the screen and get the comments to come back on. Right, okay. So we have a few history anniversaries that have either just gone by or um, or are coming up. Now, the big one, and um, it won't surprise you, I think I talked about this last week, I must have done, uh, is the execution of Mary Queen of Scots. She was executed on the 8th of February. Um, uh, where am I? 1587 sorry I'm just looking for something 1587 and um, 
at Fotheringay Castle. And this is the, I mean, this is the culmination of 20 years, almost 20 years being imprisoned in England. And we talked about it on, um, did we talk about it on History After Dark? I can't remember, but I remember someone saying, Diz, did they think that, um, was it basically a mistake for Mary to come to England? And I think it's one of those things that we can easily, clearly identify it as a mistake after the fact. But in in the circumstances that she came to England, um, yeah, she just lost uh, um, the the final battle. Um, that she 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 tried to. She'd been deposed. She she, um, I want to say Carberry Hill, but it's not, is it? Um, anyway, lost the final battle. Escaped into England. But if memory serves me right, not necessarily was going to come and stay here. I, I'm not sure her original intention was to to come here. But um, correct me if I'm wrong. And um, and. So she ends up here. She thinks Elizabeth is going to be so outraged at the treatment of her that she will provide an army, a force to support Mary to go straight back up to Scotland and get her thrown back. Now, of course, what Mary doesn't realise or know or anticipate the importance of is how dangerous Elizabeth's council already believe her to be and that rocks right back to when she was um, uh, uh, married to the Dauphin. Um, when Mary I dies, Mary Queen of Scots is still married to the Dauphin, he, ha he hasn't died yet and um, the King, King Henry, ah the something of France, sorry, um, gets them to, they, they display the coats of arms of England on, they, they quarter them or whatever, and they, they have the coats of arms of England. It's a clear snub to Elizabeth. Elizabeth isn't the rightful queen, in, according to Catholic Europe, because her mother's marriage um, to Henry VIII was, uh, wasn't valid, because Catherine of Aragon's still was. Therefore, Elizabeth's um, a, a bastard and therefore she can't inherit the throne. So when Mary Queen of Scots as the Dauphin, um, when she's married to, to, to Francois the Dauphin and they display the English coat of arms because uh, as soon as Mary has died, it's a clear indication that Mary, at least, uh, or at least her family or her French family see her as the rightful heir to the English throne. This is clocked by the English court, the ambassador to, to the French court, and reported back. So when Mary then turns up in England um, later after she has all the trouble in Scotland, she's, her cards are already marked by the English, um, by, by, by Elizabeth's council. So she's already seen as a threat. I, whether she realised quite how much that would, whether she realised that she should, but whether she realised that had impacted her position so much, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think she thought that her, what had happened to her and the fact that Elizabeth was, was kin, was uh, a queen in the same landmass, uh, that she would be wanting 
to support her to go back up to Scotland and grab her crown back. That, of course, didn't happen. So you have 19 years of Mary being in captivity. And um, it, as, that, as that period continues, um, the... I didn't know how dangerous falcons were. Oh, badge, badges? I don't know what, what you mean in Doug, sorry. Um, as, as, um, as that time continues and the Catholic threat is either... I don't know if it gets worse or if it's always the same level and you just get more and more stuff, obviously, over, over a period of time, if you periodically find... Um, evidence of uh, Catholic plots against Elizabeth then so I don't know if it gets worse maybe it does um, certainly the um, the the attitude towards um, practicing Catholics gets worse and worse um, and that's never going to make a situation more tolerant and more peaceful anyway so so we, we end up um, with, with Mary in such a desperate situation. I spoke last week and it's, um, it's in uh, the blog. Okay, and it's in the blog um, that I've just done for patrons last week about Tuckby Castle. The conditions that Mary was kept in were horrendous. There is, a, I must have talked about this week, this last week, didn't I? The different, Elizabeth might not have wanted to sign her death warrant that did not means she didn't want her dead. The Mary problem was something that Elizabeth did just think, wish could go away. And so um, it, it, Mary's position becomes more and more desperate to the point where she is getting involved in, in, in plots to overthrow Elizabeth and put her on the throne. What else is she left to do? Um, Melissa asks, did Mary and Elizabeth actually ever physically meet each other? There is no evidence that they did, no. So um, unless something um, turns up, um, then no. And, and it would be interesting if it did because a lot of, a lot of air and ink has been spent um, discussing why Elizabeth would never have met Mary. So there's lots of theories uh, or reasons that people put forward for why um, Elizabeth wouldn't have that physical meeting with Mary, including things like, I mean, Elizabeth was vain. Um, maybe not as, maybe not any more vain than anyone who sticks a selfie on Instagram these days and puts a filter on it first, to me included. Um, <laughs> but 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 Mary was like was more Mary was taller than her when she was young she was younger nine years younger um she had the same red hair um she was considered beautiful but also considered charismatic she was charming um and someone mentioned it last week I think Elizabeth needed a an element of being able to dehumanise Mary in order to be able to do what she needed to do. And that isn't just ultimately sign the death warrant. Like I say, Mary's conditions were 
particularly at Tutbury, I don't, I, that's the one I know the most about because I've spoken to Leslie Smith and done interviews with Leslie Smith on this. And so we've talked about it in, in le at length. Um, but her conditions there were incredibly harsh. Yes, she's at a castle, but every three days her windows and all the hangings are covered in black mould, such is the, um, the, the dampness in her lodgings at the castle. Uh, Jenna says, it probably made it easier for her to not have met her in person. Exactly, exactly, I, I think so. Um, she's also told she's a big threat. It would have been interesting if they had ever met, if they have met and something comes up and we find out they've met, then it evidently didn't change the course of what was going to happen. So if we, if we continue with our assumption that, or belief that they didn't meet, I wonder how, how it would have changed the, the final outcome. Now, of course, Mary is, so Mary's executed. Um, she goes to her death um, as a Catholic martyr. So she wears a scarlet gown. She, um, she, she one account says she, 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 I mean, she, she prays in, in, she prays loudly in, in Latin to, because the, the, the over, uh, the, the priest overseeing the execution is trying to do, is trying to <laughs> read English Protestant prayers. She's having none of that. Um, and the, there's an account as well that she, she mutters her, um, her motto uh, in the end is my beginning, which is, which would fit. Um, she, um, but she she was incredibly ill by this point as well. You know, there's the talk of put um, lifting up her head, and, and and actually it was a wig. I'm not sure that would have been a surprise. Um, but um, but yeah, she's incredibly ill by this point as well. Um, so so she anyway. So she goes to her death. Now this is 1587, and. You know, Cecil uh, especially has, has, has persuaded Elizabeth that Mary is the Catholic threat. She's the problem. What happens in 1588? Philip II of Spain decides to invade and we have the Spanish Armada. <laughs> well done, Cecil. That really, really helped that situation, didn't it? Because then they had a, um, a reason to... Um, another reason to 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 invade so anyway that was that's one <laughs> that's one anniversary we've had um what day do we say the 10th so today uh in 1840 queen victoria marries uh prince albert of saxe coburg now because she's queen she outranks albert so she is the one who has to propose that's probably about as forward um thinking as, as or not even her her choice but that Victoria ever got we we discussed Victoria last night because um, she'd been put forward in I have oh I have got it with me in the BBC History magazine as someone's nomination for best monarch best British monarch I don't think so I, I don't even see I mean if you think there's something that Victoria directly did that would um would be a a reason to put her forward as Britain's best monarch then please put it in because I'd be very interested to know what it is 
Um, anyway, so that was, uh, so they got married today. Um, yeah, the 11th of Feb. So tomorrow is the anniversary in 1503 of the death of Elizabeth of York. Elizabeth of York, the mother of, um, oh, Greece is letting a mad journalist down today. The, the Wi-Fi signal is not strong enough. You have to catch me later if, you, if it kicks you off. Um, so yes, yeah, so, so tomorrow is the anniversary in 1503 of the death of Elizabeth of York, um, the, uh, the mother of Henry VIII and wife of Henry VII. Um, Jenna says, I don't think she was horrible because there have been worse, but I don't think she was wonderful either. Well, yes. Exactly. So there's nothing that sticks out that um, that I would say is a reason to nominate Victoria as best British monarch. Um, indeed. So Jenna, so yes, right, back to Elizabeth of York. She dies on her 37th birthday and she dies following childbirth. Um, she had given birth to a little girl called Catherine, who was named Catherine, who also unfortunately died. Um, a mad journalist, I like your perseverance. Excellent. Kicked off five times and she's still here. Good girl. <laughs> um, and Elizabeth of York dies um, in the Royal Apartments in the White Tower at the Tower of London. The previous year, um, Prince Arthur, Prince of Wales, their eldest son, had died. Um, and so they were left with, the, with one son, Henry, and so they try and have more children, try and get another boy. And unfortunately, um, unfortunately, it kills Elizabeth. Now, the, the, I've got a video on this. So please, um, please go and have a look at that on YouTube um, about the death of Elizabeth of York. But the, the, the bit that I've focused on is something called the Vaux Passionnel. And if you haven't heard of this or seen it, you um you will love it um sorry i've missed a few comments lisa says the only thing that victoria did to help women was use chloroform during childbirth yeah yeah push pain relief for childbirth absolutely chewing gums is in portsmouth hello welcome thank you for joining us um so where was i the vaux passionnel now the vaux passionnel is an illuminated manuscript um, that dates from around the turn of the um, the, the 15th into the, the 16th centuries. Is that right? Yeah. And it's it's held in the uh, National Archives in way of Wales in Aberystwyth. Um, and the presentation page, this actually, I mean, literally, it shows the book being presented to Henry VII. But in the background are three children, two girls who are kneeling, facing each other, playing a game or something, um, with black um, headdresses. Behind them is a little boy in a green top on a, with his a head in his hand, in his hands, or in his, in his arm, on a, uh, leaning up against a black, a bed which is black, it's covered in black material and this is thought to be a depiction of 
Henry VIII, as he would become, grieving for his mother. He was 11 years old when, when she died. And it's really poignant. It's really powerful. And I've put that in that video. So, um, so if you're interested, please go and have a look at that video of mine on, on YouTube. It's about the death of Elizabeth of York, but I do cover the, um, the Vaux Passionelle in there. What else have we got? The 12th of Feb. So we're coming up to the execution of um, Lady Jane Grey or Queen Jane. We've also got the execution, I think the 13th of Feb, I've not written this down, but I think the 13th of Feb is the execution of Catherine Howard. So we've got <laughs> February must have been season for it. Mm. So, um, so Queen Jane, she was queen, um, better known as Lady Jane Grey. Um, executed at Tower. Now, the she she had gone in into the Tower the previous July, June, July. Uh, when did Edward the Sixth die? And she'd gone in preparation for her coronation. Mary the First raised an army, super super quick, um, and uh, and support for Jane and her entourage had um, had uh, fallen away. Ah, yes, I will, I will come to that, Jenna. Do you have that? I don't know if it's Valentine's Day, is it? Um, sorry, we'll get back to that in a minute. Um, so, uh, so Lady Jane Grey had been held. Mary had held her, kept her at the tower. Um, but it wasn't until the Wyatt Rebellion kicked off that Jane um, and, and her uh, husband, um, Guildford Dudley, um, was uh, was ex were executed. Um, she was executed within the tower walls, one of only a handful of people who um, whoever were. Um, and she would have been very young. We're not sure exactly how young. Um, so Lady Jane Grey, Catherine Howard, another young lady executed. So I'll come back to talking about her in a minute because that was a big part of what I was talking to. Um, Gareth Russell about the other night so I'll tell you more about that chewing gum says February was obviously not a good month in history <laughs> well it was if you were an executioner um, ah Jenna says she'd seen the 16th I also have the 16th the 14th right okay let's get on to what Jenna's talking about so this is Henry VIII is buried uh, in this month in 1547 now um, he's buried I'm going to say on the 16th of February his Funeral procession begins on the 14th of February. So I don't know if that's where you're getting the fifth, uh, 14th from, Jenna, um, unless, unless there's a, a different account. And he's buried in St George's Chapel, Windsor. Won't surprise you to know I've got a video on that. Um, and in fact, I've got two videos. One, um, have I done two different ones? I think I have, yes. So one is about the, the funeral procession and the funeral, and I have another one, which is um, which is quite an old one now. I went live when going live on, on YouTube was quite a new thing to talk about why Henry VIII is buried where he is, why he is still there. So that's, um, if you haven't seen that one already, um, people like that video, so please feel, please um, go and have a look. Um, I think you'll enjoy that one. Um, also, it is that video that I 
I'm setting this week's just for fun question from. So Henry VIII, Henry VIII is buried. <laughs> is the uh, is the video? If you if you're on Instagram, not Instagram, sorry. If you're on YouTube, then uh, I've popped in the comments the um, the link to the video you'll need to go and have a, um, a look for this week's just for fun question. So let me set that, and then I will come back to talking about Catherine Howard. So. Last week's Just For Fun question was, um, and it was based on the interview I did with, um, well, chat I had with Phil Downing, who is the uh, the house manager at uh, Harvington Hall. And if any of you joined us for History After Dark last week, uh, Phil joined us to talk about his 36 hours in a priest hide um it was history after dark so we didn't call it a priest hide uh but anyway uh so i've got my uh talk with phil standing outside of harvington hall and in that he answers this question or gives us this information what year was the elizabethan phase of harvington hall begun did you do your homework everybody did you go and watch the video and find out um so yeah so what what year was the Elizabethan phase of Harvington Hall begun? Because there's actually a Georgian phase. Um, there's been a house on that site since, I want to say Saxon times, but I'm not, I'm, I'm a long time basically. But yeah, the Elizabethan house, and actually the Elizabethan house would have been for, it would have had a courtyard. So there's only half of it left. Um, Lisa says 1578. Ooh, not quite. It's close though. It is in the 1570s. Now, when the house was built, this um, uh, in oh, the, the 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 growing anti-Catholic um, state basically uh, was happening, and so Catholics. Genesis 1570, a little bit later. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so it was growing. And, and the, um, so the house builders, you've got really fame, you've got the, the, the most famous priest hide creator, Nicholas um, Owen, who, who did create the priest hides at Harvington. And one of the things that Phil was telling us about last week in History After Dark is that Nicholas Owen, um, he, there was no no two priest hides were the same and that's why uh and that's so that if they found one they couldn't they were the next house it was it wasn't going to be easy to find the next because they were unique which is why the ones at harvington are also unique they have one uh, they have seven but there's the two the two favorite ones that people remember are under the stairs so you lift up the stairs and the other one is a swinging beam and it's behind that one that Phil uh, hid for 36 hours in the pitch black with a, I think, a one bottle of water and an apple. I didn't ask him about the food. Did we ask him about the food? We asked him about drink. We didn't ask him about the food. So, the Elizabethan phase of Harvington Hall, <coughs> excuse me, was begun in 1573. So at this time, oh, well done, um, Emmy, Emmy Boas. Uh, you've got it spot on. Um, anyone else? Get, thank you for Elements of Brie for uh, 
for your guests and Donna. Um, Lisa says, could there be more that haven't been discovered yet? And more priest hides. Not in the hall itself. However, half the hall has been lost. So there's two sides of the hall still remaining. It would have been a proper courtyard type house. So it would have had four sides. Thank you, Emmy. And it would have had four sides. So it's, I would have thought unlikely that you'd have that many priest hides in the two surviving wings and that they would have been none in the wings that are lost. So I don't know that there's any more to be discovered there, but um, but certainly that I imagine there would have been more on that site. So that interview with um, with Phil is still available on my YouTube channel um, and the History After Dark chat with Phil is available on the history.after.dark channel, um, a profile on Instagram. It's well worth watching. We actually managed to keep it under an hour. We didn't do that last night. It was two hours last night. Um, but um, it will also be available on the podcast, but not for quite a few weeks because we have a backlog of wonderful episodes to treat you with first. Now, I said I would get back to... Oh, actually, no, let me just say, that's the just for... Oh, no. Oh, I'm getting way ahead of myself today. I'm going to set next week's question. And then I'm going to... Then I'm going to tell you about some actual some competitions to win, actually win something, <laughs> not just these just for fun ones. So based on my Henry VIII is buried. I did it. Did I call it that? Yeah, I did. Henry VIII is buried. That's what I called the video. Um, based on that video, how long? Or the information is in that video. You might know. It, you might know the answer anyway. How long was Henry VIII's funeral procession in length? So in a physical distance. And that's this week's question, which you can um which you can let me know your answer to. Uh might do it the week after next, because next week I am on location bringing you this, and that generally means I'm totally distracted by where I am <laughs> and uh telling you about it. Um Doug says, would them finding one, even an empty one, result in the owners being in big trouble if the priest was found or not yes I think so 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 if Elizabeth's men came a looking um and they're looking for evidence they're looking for evidence of um of you harboring a priest um if they found a priest hide that if they found a priest hide that's large enough for a person and there's evidence that a person either has been in there or is, um, he, Phil talked about how they would already have wine in in the priest hides, uh, maybe a little bit of food, so they were prepared. Um, now, yes, yeah, so if they came across that, then that would be evidence that you were harbouring or intending to harbour a priest. However, houses did have these hidey holes um this is this is before banks so uh houses would have these these hiding places for valuables anyway so i suppose it depends on whether they believed you or not and what they found when they found the the hole even if they're the hide even if there wasn't a priest in it there's a priest in it obviously <laughs> case closed mm. okay so 
so that so uh the prizes sorry the competitions where you can actually win something the competition to win a signed copy which i still leave up on my shelf rather than show you i'm so sorry the private lives of the tudors tracy borman's book she signed it for me and you still have a chance to win that that competition is open until the end of this month the 28th of february um and to be in with a chance of winning that signed copy of the book which i'll send you for free wherever you live um then it is uh you go over to my youtube channel watch the interview please well subscribe to my channel like the like the video and then there's a question which you'll get the answer to um if you watch the interview i have another one coming up um so next friday the 18th that is friday isn't it is that friday um i will be releasing my interview with heather darcy about honor of cleaves i've spoken about this before it is fascinating absolutely fascinating so heather put in incredible work looking at the archives in cleves who'd have thought to do that hmm? well she did and she discovered um a far more interesting and plausible story as to how come henry and anne's it's friday thank you jenna <laughs> um, how come uh, um henry and and Anne or Anna, Anna, however you want to, obviously her, her name was Anna, but we call her Anne because that's anglicised, um, how they, um, uh, how come their relationship broke down and why it seemed to break down from the get-go. And then when they're not married, they have a fantastic relationship. So Heather's work and Heather's discoveries explain that and give a far more plausible um, account than than Henry was had his nose put out of joint because she didn't recognise him and wouldn't let him kiss her. And and she smelt. And she was ugly, even though she plainly was not ugly. Um so uh Colleen, so the um the interview with Heather will go live on um on week on Friday, the eighteenth. Sorry, I was just reading Janice says could you post the homework question to the post video comments, please? Yes, I will try and do that. Yes, yes, yes. I've got it. Yes, I've got it running up now, haven't I? But I haven't got it for later. I will do that. Um, so the interview with yeah with Heather will go live for everyone next Friday. For patrons, it will go live next Tuesday. Because patrons always get um, any videos that are out they get them early. So that's a bit of a bobby bonus for everyone. Um, he's in my patron. So um, that is, is fantastic. Now what I will what I will do with that one is it's same deal, there'll be a question which you um, can, uh, which you, you need to watch the video in order to get the answer to, but then you can, ha you, I will send you either one of Heather's books. So she's, she's written her first book on of Cleves and then she's written one about the children of Cleves. So um, whichever one you want, I will get sent to you. Now, let's get on back on to Catherine Howard um, because this links nicely to my chat interview, stroke interview with, um, with Gareth Russell that I uh, recorded on Tuesday night. So Catherine Howard, the, the anniversary of Catherine Howard's um, beheading, I think is the, is the 13th. Um, 
I'm not actually quite sure. It's soon anyway. Now, he wrote this book, which you'll find um, a link to on my Amazon shop, amazon.co.uk forward slash shop forward slash British history, where I've put links to lots of books and I'm, I'm trying to keep keep updating it actually because there's far more that I would recommend than are on there at the moment um, but he wrote this book <coughs> excuse me called Young and Damned and Fair and it is I I would say and many other people would agree is the biography of Catherine Howard now what I wanted to speak to Gareth about Oh, let me just finish that point, actually. So that the interview with Gareth will be um, will be live for patrons on the 14th of April. So it'll be uh, available to everyone else. Um, it will, actually, it will be available to everyone on the 14th of April. The patrons got to ask Gareth their own questions. And it's that extended interview that patrons only get access to and everyone else gets the main interview. So if you are interested in putting your own questions to historians that I'll be speaking to, and I'll be letting you know soon who I've got lined up, then if you're a member of the patron of any tier, then you can put your questions forward to them. So that's quite cool. Anyway, so that will be available on the 14th of April and you will be able again to win a signed copy of um, of Gareth's book. So that's the way it's going to roll. When I've got a historian interview, historian interview, then um, then you will get a chance to win a signed, well, signed or with Heather, I can't because she's over in America, but um, Gareth, I shall be seeing in May before the competition closes. So I will get a signed copy from him. Um, and we, we, what I wanted to discuss, and it came up because we've discussed it here and on um, uh, Clubhouse Rooms and History After Dark Rooms, um, was... Um, Oh, Anandita, it, Heather's interview is coming out um, for you because you're a YouTube member on um, Tuesday and for everyone else on Friday. Um, so, where did I get to? I'm so sorry. Ah. Right. Um, yeah, so we were talking, what I wanted to talk to Gareth about, and like I say, this was, this was, this was set off by some discussions we've had, is to understand, I wanted to talk about the downfalls both of Anne Boleyn and of Catherine Howard, compare and contrast them and in a way that we can then learn about each of them from what happened to the other, if that makes sense. So the way the situation unfolded with Anne is very different to the way the situation unfolded with Catherine. Their treatment, who else went down with them, the method of execution, the timescales, all of this, if you look at one and look at the other, tells you about what happened in the corresponding, uh, the, in the other woman's um, situation. So we, that is what I um, was posing to, to Gareth, and we went, um, that was the, the premise of the interview. So I think you will really enjoy that one. Um, and so that is going to be available on the 14th of April. Like I say, patrons will get the extended interview because they got to ask Gareth their own questions. And um, so they will get that. And actually, the, the, I'll just say to patrons now, it makes, makes the interview very, not very long, lovely and long. Like, it's brilliant. We spent about another 40 minutes or so going through your fantastic questions. So that was brilliant. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's coming up as well. So that's quite good. Right, have I covered up, uh, covered up? 
no have I covered everything that I wanted to talk to you about today um no not yet now I've mentioned already next week I'll be uh, on location so that will be um fun uh, Lisa says my love of history came from reading Jean Plady my first of her books I read was called Murder Most Royal um, which is about Anne and Catherine ah interesting so did most people how did d- drop in the comments how did most people come into history through fiction or excuse me <coughs> oh goodness, goodness sorry sorry <laughs> that was a, I've got a big tickle um through uh, yeah through fiction or a good history teacher how did you how did you get into history mine mine is a bit of a weird story I think I was actually I was actually on the lookout for a female role model does that sound ridiculous I wanted someone who was who seemed human but had a greatness um and I started reading about Elizabeth first and and then that's it's very I went over the story last week um as part of the first birthday celebrations of this Thursday tea time live um but that's that's effectively where my my interest started um right uh Bobby Ann says Tudor history from the movie Ghost when he sang Henry VIII I am (laughs) that's brilliant I was about 10 gripped now (laughs) that's fantastic oh I love it um that's funny uh so what else have we got uh, melissa mine from the uh, melissa's came from the white queen i i really enjoyed those um the white queen and the red princess bobby Ann. it's kind of embarrassing it's fine you're in a safe place here darling a safe place um <laughs> it's funny i like it um so yeah <laughs> now I want to tell you about a couple of reels I've got because you might be interested in these um, that I've put out over the last week or so. So on Instagram, you can go and have a look at my reels if you haven't already. One is um, Robert Dudley, Earl of Leicester's tomb at St Mary's Church in the middle of Warwick. Um, So it's just a reel, so it's like 30 seconds or so, looking at the chapel and looking at his his tomb, so better you see the chapel, you see the tomb, you see the tomb of his son. So he had he did have a son with Latisse Knowles, um, who died when he was. I read one account that said three, one account that says four. So I, I went with three, um, and um, and so you can see that real, you can see that. Uh, that place and then I've also done another one or let me just do this Jenna says my love for British history started off in high school but my addiction to Tudor history started several years ago when discovering the white queen on stars I think history drama has a big part to play in getting people interested in history I think its advantages far outweigh um, the issues we then get with people thinking they know the like as if as if the conversations were actually recorded um oh let's go uh mad journalist half of my childhood i grew in a country that was under british rule for a long time uh but they always glossed over stuff and taught history wrong so i really wanted to learn history yeah uh 
and to correct the snooty teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Elements of Bryce as the Tudors got, got her into it. Um, and Janice, uh, Janice, see, I can't, Janice, what, what am I, what is wrong with me? Uh, also got into uh, Jean Playdy to get into history. Um, uh, Lottie Rose, I grew up in Eltham. Oh, fantastic. So mine came from visiting Eltham Palace. Absolutely. Uh, as a child and Greenwich. Yes, you're not far from all of those places. That's a, that's a very good introduction. Um, Imagine said that got me started in actual British history and the histories of other countries and loved it. Fantastic. Yes. I, mm, yeah. Sorry for the typos. I'm doing all right. Did, did I, did I manage? Okay. <laughs> Were you doing it anyway? I, was, I knew what you meant. Uh, I, history, of course, is literally everything that's gone before. It's so it's huge and there's so many different elements of it. Um, different ways of approaching the same thing, uh, same event, same person, you know, do you want to approach it through their achievements or their personality or their health history or what, what other people thought of them, blah, blah, blah. It, I mean, it, 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 you can cut it all different ways. Katie says way back in primary school, and then you sort of forgot, then got back into it with her son learning about Tudors at school. Yes, it's back on the curriculum, isn't it? I think for primary schools. Um, Tudor history. Oh, welcome, Sarah. Hi. Um, Sarah is guiding my tour group in May. Um, oh, I could talk about this actually. Oh, thank you, my journalist. <laughs> uh, in May, I have a tour called the Anne Boleyn Tour, and we stay at Hever Castle. And on the 19th of May, which is the anniversary of Anne Boleyn's execution at the Tower, we go to the Tower. The day before, we're at Hampton Court Palace and Sarah is guiding us. So Hampton Court tour guide, go and go follow her on Instagram if you don't already. Um, and so that's that's really, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Now, my other reel is is linked to this. So the other reel I, on Instagram that I was going to tell you about is um, is the, the route that Anne, Anne came in. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. Came in to the Tower of London. It was open when I was there in May. Um, actually, on the nineteenth of May, should have been there with a tour group, but let's not get into that. Um, the uh, so the reel shows us. Yes, Sarah's looking forward to it too. Um, where where Anne came in from the inside. So I know I've shared photos. In fact, you know, I did the reel and I couldn't find the photo of the outside. I'm so sorry. It's incomplete, really. You can you can tell me off. But from so from the inside, what what's on the other side of that door? I filmed from inside there coming out, and then. Um, looked at it's a reel so it's it's quick right but where the great hall where Anne's um, trial was held on the 15th of May that has now gone but the sight of it um, is in that reel and then I pan around from where her apartment where the apartments were where she was kept across the green um, back to the great hall but you can she th those those apartments do you know, I've never got to the bottom of this bit. Let me explain. She's in the apartments and it might just be I need to have a look at the layout of the buildings at that time. And she comes out of the Royal Apartments. Um, and I'm not sure whether she goes through the Great Hall or whether she goes through the courtyard. But she's got the White Tower on her right. And she goes through Cold Harbour Gate. I've also heard of it said 
Coal Harbour, but anyway, goes through the gate, that also no longer exists. And then right round to the other side of the White Tower, so where there's the monument with the glass pillow, I think most people know now is not where the scaffold um, had ever been erected, possibly, um, because it was it was it the executions there were so few and far between there was not a permanent scaffold. Um, so she walks all the way around to, the, to to this specially erected scaffold, which is which is in the area between the White Tower and what is now the Waterloo Barracks. Um, Anyway, so, so there's there's another reel for you if you're interested. Um, Emmy says, I've always been obsessed with history, specifically Tudor. I don't know where it comes from, but I read my first book about Anne Boleyn when I was 10. Well, that's good going. Um, the fashion history was a huge draw too. Well, they did know how to dress, did they not? I I feel a bit, I feel, I feel a little grieved that... What 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 what's the fashion now? I mean, I'm sat here in jeans and a, a t-shirt, basically. Um, even in the war, you know, where fabric was was fewer and far between, they had a style. They did their hair. Ugh, anyway, feeling a bit yeah, it's a bit of a shame. But anyway, so those are, those are two reels that you might be interested in: the tomb of uh, Robert Dudley, uh, Earl of Leicester, Elizabeth's favourite and Anne Boleyn at the Tower. I've got longer videos about Anne Boleyn at the Tower on YouTube as well, but anyway, they're the, they're the two reels. Amy says, yes, why did we stop dressing like this? Well, I'm pretty sure at our level of society, not that I know, maybe, maybe Amy, maybe you are Princess Amy, uh, we wouldn't have been in anything like that. <laughs> um, we'd have been in nice long skirts, pulling up the mud, um, probably got very heavy. Uh, Elements of Brace says, I'd love to get a master's in Tudors and Stuart history. Stuart history. We probably haven't, we haven't got time to go into that today, but yes. And I tell you why, and we spoke about this on yesterday's History After Dark um, room briefly. <coughs> Whereas things that the Tudors did, we've got the butterfly effect and we're still feeling the remnants of it. Absolutely. But the Stuarts is more direct. The things that happened under the Stuart um, era, um, we are directly dealing with our political system, our, um, our financial system um, and, and and actually even down to things like this, the ceremonial opening of Parliament. You know, the Queen can't go into the, the, um, the chamber, the House of Commons um, and that's after Charles I went in there and tried to arrest, arrest people. Um, dissenters. Uh, elements of Bray. Oh, sorry. Did I? Did I? Sorry, I squished my microphone. Then, um, imagine it says, "Girls, do you really want to be lugging and laundering all that crap and hindering you in the toilet?" Especially, yes. Well, yes. Especially when it's time of the month. So I would go to like nineteen forties style fashion, something that is um, feminine but covered. Yeah. Um, Genesis are very heavy skirts. I only wear three layers of them. Oh yes, because you do. Um, you dress up, don't you? You do reenactment. Um, I could see them. Yes, you could see why it was the highest cause of drown. So, sorry, the highest cause of death for women was drowning. Indeed. Emmy says it's all right. She'll just want to wear it for a few hours and then take it off. <laughs> Elements of Bray said. Um, oh. University of Buckingham you know exactly where you want to go but don't know what to do with it afterwards I don't know but I think I think studying something you love is um is 
is the way forward uh, and then work out afterwards because um, there's lots of skills you get from studying that are transferable uh, imagine there's 20s 40s 50s and 60s even yeah like what do we do i i'd go back to wearing hats i just i think it would be lovely um so yeah right i think i've covered everyone's um comments for now lisa and janice are having a discussion about about um about uh jean uh so patrons let me just remind you last week you all have the tutbury castle blog was actually quite complicated to write so I hope it's come across okay um it explains the the who's owned it who's lived there it's I've already mentioned Mary Queen of Scots was in prison there um how it came into crown hands and it is still in crown hands actually this week today in fact I should mention this the Hereford Cathedral look around is live so um upper class members you get a shortened version and then um, if you're nobility or above you get the full-on version. Um, Sarah Hampton Court Travel uh, Tour Guide says Longbourn by Joe Baker is a great novel about the servants in Pride and Prejudice the paragraphs describing the laundry and cleaning of fab. <laughs> I like that though it's real isn't it it's real. I think when we're so high level talking about um, you know, kings and queens and, and whatever, then we are missing quite a lot, aren't we? Um, I, this came across to me in a couple of things in the Houses of Power book by Simon Thurley, which is brilliant, which I must make sure I've put a link to in the Amazon shop. Um, they, uh, he was talking about the falconry, you know, the falconry was a big thing. Now you can't, you can't just rock up and use someone else's bird. The bird has to be trained and it has to by by you, by the by the handler. So if Catherine of Aragon, Anne Boleyn, Henry VIII have their own birds, these birds don't care that they're the king or queen. You sleep next to the bird when it's a when it's a, a little bird and you're training it, you sleep next to it. Um so they had uh and this is why it comes up in Simon's books, because he's an architectural historian. Um, they, 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 they slept in apartments or rooms. I don't know quite what the layout would have been, but next to the birds, so in the mews. So um, that kind of day-to-day -day stuff we, we miss. There's also, he also mentions in part of, uh, in his book about Henry VIII having a Turkish bath, a Turkish bathroom. Has anyone ever heard about that? I've never heard about that. Now you would think, unless it would look so out of place that, that people writing dramas wouldn't want to put it in um but wouldn't that be a fantastic setting for a, for a hen oh it's a bathroom though actually maybe not <laughs> maybe i'm just thinking i would like a turkish bathroom ah there you go sarah says yes at hampton court palace oh and i'm i'm just so intrigued by that turkish bathroom idea that he had that he had this turkish bathroom so i'm presuming sarah running hot and cold water and tiles and beautiful stuff bobby ann's also heard about that yeah i find that fascinating in the bain tower which has gone is that has it gone is that the one that's gone uh yes um so i would love to know more about that if anyone yeah maybe sarah you can well sarah you can tell us more about that when you're guiding my tour group on the 18th of may <laughs> that'd be fantastic oh it's still there okay cool 
Fabulous. I will be picking your brains about that. Hello, Rachel. Welcome. <laughs> Rachel's managed to, to join us. Oh, Sarah's going to show me. Fantastic. Yay. Oh, that is very exciting. In fact, while I remember then, because that's very exciting. Um, so the Anne Boleyn tour in May is is fully booked. Hi, Cathy. Welcome. The uh, So the tour yeah, in, in May is fully booked. Um, we do have one going next year, 2023. I've still got to release the details, but you can drop me a mail if you want to be on the priority list for that. Um, Lisa says, was Turkish a sign of status, Turkish rugs, etc.? Yes, they're, they're an import and they're going to be very expensive. They're expensive to make, they're expensive to, to, um, to uh, import. So, yeah. Um, Emmy says, Talking Tudor's podcast has an amazing episode about the regular people in the Tudor era. So fascinating. Yes. <laughs> the regular people. Yous and me's of the past. Um, <clears throat> but, um, so uh, Lottie asks, is there a waiting list for the Amberlynn tour? For this year, you can certainly put yourself on a waiting list for this year if you would like. And I'm about to tell you, I have one space now on the Elizabeth tour, which is in July, um, which you can find the full itinerary for on BritishHistoryTours.com. Um, a lovely lady who is coming um, on the tour is actually now, as a mature student, I'm so in awe of this, uh, signing up to do a degree. Um, so she, she she won't be able to, to to be there, but so so there's one space available. Maybe able to push it for two if there's a couple who want to come on. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to drop me a line, then I can certainly put you on a waiting list for the Amberlin tour for this year. In case anyone can't make it, you can also drop me a line if you would like to have priority notice of the Amberlin tour 2023, which will be a similar time of year. In fact, probably exactly the same dates. Um, so that's cool. <laughs> I want to tell you about it. No, last week um, I was talking about um, we've got an amazing day at Harvington. So if you have a look at that interview with Phil about Harvington, um, I've shared posts and, what, and, and stuff about Harvington as well. But we'll be there when there's, there's no one, uh, no, no, no member of the public there. So we get our own tour of the place. Um, we will... Um, so we'll have been at Kenilworth Castle in the morning we're going to get to Harvington Hall have a tour then Leslie Smith will be there as Elizabeth I that I can't wait that is just going to be incredible um, followed by a talk by Tracy Borman followed by dinner in the hall I think that I mean that's just one that's just one day of <laughs> the tour everybody um, so if you want to grab that last place then um, drop me, uh, why don't you email me office at British History Tours um, and I will assign it on a first come first served basis. But you can see the itinerary, actually not so much detail actually, I'm telling you more detail than I think is on the website at the moment because I've been able to secure all that detail within the last um, couple of weeks. But it's, um, it's on BritishHistoryTours.com. Yes, Colleen, it's going to be fabulous. Um, and... Uh, so you can see the outline itinerary, um, but yeah, you probably know more than I've put on the website at the moment. So that's quite cool. Um, 
I'm getting very, very excited to be finally out on the road with everybody. I do do private tours as well, anyone. But anyway, I won't keep going on about that because um, you can help, you can check me out or you can just drop me an email if you want me to help you with anything. Um, coming up on Patreon, so next week I have a live because I'm out um, on, um, on, on location. I'll be doing a live walk around for the patrons. Um, and then I'm going to do a blog about the Prince of Wales and the Prince of Wales feathers. Why is it that the heir to the British throne or English and subsequently British throne is Prince of Wales? Where does that title come from? And where does the emblem come from? Because you see that everywhere. So I'm going to do a blog on that. I've got a virtual tour of Acton Court for patrons, another live location, which I'm, um, I've got a couple that I'm thinking of doing, so I haven't decided yet. And then in April, we've got a blog about the Tudor siblings. So that's, um, that's going to be Edward the Sixth, Mary the First, Elizabeth First, and Henry Fitzroy. On the fourteenth of April, um, everyone will get to see this, but the patrons get the extended version. That is the interview with Gareth Russell. And then, on my quarterly event, I am going to give you a give patrons a beginner's guide to um, to old English kings. So these are the ones that came before the Norman Conquest. Now, that because because it seems a bit boring right and it's they're not boring <laughs> what 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 the problem is is they're further back they're pre-norman conquest um the normans wrote everything wrote a lot down um so so there's there's people with like 35 year reigns 30 year reigns 20 year reigns and we know hardly anything about them which um which is a shame but we do know uh quite a bit about some of them so anyway so i'm going to do a beginner's guide to old english kings which will be, um, I think, quite fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that will be that will be in um, in Patreon. And so many of you here are patrons. Um, so I just want to say thank you for that because um, it's absolutely fabulous to have you there. So before I go, because we've been we've done an hour and ten. Thank you so much, everyone who stayed with me. I've given you uh, a just for fun question. So that is based on the Henry VIII is buried video. Um, and it's how long is Henry's funeral procession? Um, I haven't even got on to the history after dark last night. We did two hours. We talked about the best British monarchs. Um, Andrew says, hello, really enjoyed the chat anyway. Roast chicken. My wife smoked. No idea. <laughs> no idea, Andrew, but thank you. Uh, um, uh, yes, yeah, so the history of art last night was uh, the um, best British monarch. I, I, I started it off with, um, I have to say, I didn't go best, I went worst, because some of the nominations I was scoffing at. Queen Victoria was one. Um, James I we didn't get on to. Joseph first of uh, England, sixth of Scotland. We didn't get on to, but he he was a bit. He was one that I thought really. Henry the Eighth was in there, odd. Um, but we got on to we we put our own forward. Um, uh, uh, yeah, Lottie Lott, says last night was so interesting. I loved Cat's advocacy for Anne. Yeah, I was about to say. So we we put forward our own. Um, mine was sort of based on if he'd been allowed to be king I think he would have been good and that was James II um, Catherine put put forward uh, Henry V he wasn't in the list for some reason uh, before Charles II Cat mentioned um, and Anne 
Um, I did mention Athelstan, um, which some of you uh, already know is, uh, is, uh, has come up in conversation before. He's effectively, the, 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 under his rule, England becomes united. So by the time you've got William the Conqueror conquering England, it's because <laughs> there's a united England, um, which, which happened under him. Uh, oh, oh, Genesis, I may or may not live down the new emblem idea in Cat's head. Anyone who joined History After Dark last night will know that um, Cat coined a new phrase, which I can't mention in polite conversation, so not today, I'm afraid. Uh, Jenna, though, you will be happy to know that someone has already designed that emblem. And so, um, yeah. So we're trying to get hold of a high definition um, uh, or a good version of it so that we can stick on a t-shirt. <laughs> so that would be very funny. We were basically alluding to or talking about the fact that Henry VIII's hero was Henry V and and Kat coined a phrase uh, about how excitable Henry VIII might get about Henry V's war prowess. I shall leave it there. Check out History After Dark if you want. Now, so History After Dark will be a podcast from um, the 16th of February as well. Like I said earlier on, when a new podcast goes live, some of the bigger platforms take a couple of weeks to pick it up. So um, look out on my uh, my social media on um, Katrina.Marchant and on not just the Tudor Tracker, that is Kat and Catherine's uh, um, profiles um, and I will if I can on history.after.dark as well obviously share the link directly to the podcast which will be on um, on Anchor and I think you can get that um, I think anyone can get that so um, uh, Rachel saying Kit Harrington oh John Snow in Game of Thrones I'm I'm one and a half episodes into the whole Game of Thrones thing I've got a lot to catch up on. Is playing Henry V in theatre? Ooh, might be good. Which theatre is that? That would be very fun. Um, yes, yeah, so I will share the link directly to that podcast and then in a few weeks it will be easy to find whether you listen on Apple or Google or any of the others. So that will be fun and easy. We've got a specially recorded episode that's going to be the first one and then... We, it's basically audio from our History After Dark rooms on Instagram that you'll be able to grab hold of and listen in the car or at the gym or wherever else you would like to consume your spicy history podcast. So everyone, we are at an hour, nearly at an hour and 15. So I'm going to say thank you very much for joining me today for Thursday Tea Time History Chat Live. Thank you, um, especially to those of you who are YouTube members or um, patrons or who buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa. I just love it every time a coffee comes through and I will start showing photos when I, uh, when I, <laughs> when I go out for the coffees. Um, but yes, thank you all of you for your support. Thank you for joining me today. And um, if you're around tomorrow at four o'clock, I am doing the Visiting Tudor Britain live on Instagram on my uh, handle so at British underscore history underscore tours and Deb Royal from Tudor underscore times will be joining me 
and she is going to be talking to us about places associated with Margaret Douglas. So that's going to be fantastic. So thank you ever so much, everybody. And um, and I will see you all soon. Bye. Bye, everyone.